Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who I think is pretty excited about the fall, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? You know, to be honest, I'm not that excited about the fall at all. Um, I, I, I'm a big, big, big summer guy. I mean, my birthday's in the summer, which is nice, but more so it's just the good weather. Uh, you can go up, you can play sports outside. Um, it's a fun time. The only exciting thing about the fall um, is the two of the subjects we're going to be talking about today, the NFL and NBA. Uh, and, and that's what really gets me excited about the fall. Uh, we have no Ben today, but we make up for it a lot. This person, uh, definitely higher level than Ben in, in, in my heart, at the least. Trevor, I feel like maybe you agree. Um, we have a returning guest on the podcast today, uh, one of my lifelong best friends, um, who I'm happy to call one of my best friends. We have Coach Noah from Covenant College Prep. Um, Noah, I'm how you doing, doing great. today? great. It's good to be back on. Love talking hoops. So, yeah. Well, we'll definitely be getting into some hoops today. Um, it'll be kind of our, our NBA preview episode, which uh, we're so excited to have you on, Noah, because obviously you, you have a great basketball mind, not only just being a coach, but just in general, following the NBA very, very closely. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's just do a little bit of NFL discussion because we, we, we did have some some entertaining stuff happen in the past week in the NFL. Um, so, Trevor, I'm going to let you start. You know, pre- take away some last <clears throat> week. Um, anything big that happened on your mind that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so I think the thing on my mind coming out of last Sunday, coming in really last Monday, of the NFL is really that is kind of a general takeaway. And it's with the AFC as a whole, as a conference. I'm looking at this conference, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, who are the playoff teams going to be, trying to find seven, and I'm having trouble. I I think this conference has, like, a really solid top five, and then finding six and seven is a little bit tougher, Um, you know, because really, to me, you got um, the top five, which the Bills are at the top. I think they're unequivocally the number one team after last week. You have the Chargers, you have the Ravens, you have the Browns, and I still put the Chiefs in that top five. Maybe some people would disagree based on how they've been playing. I understand, you know, their defense has a lot of issues, um, but there is still an element of trust that I have in them that hasn't fully uh, disappeared yet, and I'm still putting them in this top five. Um, Outside of that, there has to be a team that wins the AFC South, so probably the Titans, and then finding that number seven team, is very tough for me. I mean, you might say, okay, maybe the Raiders, but the Raiders haven't been playing that well, obviously. Uh, You know, the stuff with Gruden and everything, like how are they going to play today? That's a question mark, but certainly after losing to the Bears last week, they don't look as good as they have been. Uh, And then after that, I think it's pretty dire with other possibilities. You have like the Patriots, you have the Steelers, you have like the Broncos, like none of those teams are very good to me. Um, and you just keep going down the line, and a lot of these teams are not very good. So my big takeaway is I am having trouble finding seven playoff teams in the AFC. Um, what about you, Brandon? What are your thoughts on that? I, I think we have three confusing AFC teams, the Ravens, uh, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, and all for a little bit different reasons. The Ravens seem like they could be 5-0 and and also 0-5. Um, you know, their plus minus is plus 19. It's not like an atrocious plus minus. It's towards the middle, but it's, you know, in the, in the middle upper half, I guess. Um, they, they have a lot of good amount of points, but they've scored a lot of points. So they're a very, very confusing team. Uh, a lot of games could have gone, you know, flip of a coin differently. I mean, quite literally in the, 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 the Colts game, if the Colts get the ball, the Colts probably win that game in the, in overtime. Very, very confusing. If Lamar can play how he played in that game, the Ravens might never lose. But at the same time, I mean, they did just almost lose to the Colts. Very confusing team. Uh, you have the Raiders, who I would have said are a very good team, but now seem like they're a dumpster fire. You know, Gruden is obviously out. Um, we don't really need to talk about that. We know why. Um, the team is kind of in shambles. Very confusing. And then the Chiefs, who, uh, you know, you'd think you have, like, this level of trust in, like Trevor said, but I do not in the slightest bit. Mahomes hasn't looked nearly the same. They're incredibly injury-ridden on offense. Um, and the defense, uh, I'm pretty sure they could throw me back there, and I, I'd be one of their better defenders. So, you know, it's, it's quite a, a confusing time in the AFC. I feel like the, the Bills, Browns, uh, Chargers, those three teams are, are, are very solid. I think are almost locks for the playoffs. I guess you could throw the Ravens in there, too. I think the Ravens will make the playoffs, whether they're, you know, whether they win the conference or they're the seventh seed or win the division or the seventh seed is, you know, more up in the air. 
Um, but after that, it definitely gets confusing. I'm in no way on a lo- like locked up with the Chiefs like you are, Trevor, at all. They look pretty terrible. Uh, they got to do a lot of stuff to get back on track. Uh, a- anything else you want to add, Noah, before you know we really kind of dive into uh, games for next week go and then the NBA? Or, uh, go basketball, but also go Browns. Yeah, if we want to talk about the Browns, there's a lot of interesting things that happens with the Browns. Because the Browns are such a good football team. Like, really, I, I honestly believe, maybe besides, like, the Chargers, perhaps, they're the most talented team in the NFL. Like, I think, hands down, like, it's hard to debate against the fact that they're very, very talented. And I think you can even go a step further that all of their losses were for various other reasons. I mean, losing to the Chiefs and Mahomes, it's tough when you don't have Mahomes. You're just, in general, just not collapse right now. Like, I mean, it's just, just a collapse. Yeah, it's tough. You, you look at the Chargers game. The Chargers game is very telling to me and uh, in, in why the Browns, in my opinion, will never be able to win a Super Bowl with their current situation. The Browns are so good. They're going to be a good team with this current team they have, which I guess they won't be keeping it next year. There's a lot of players that need to resign. They just can't resign them. Uh, but you look at this game, and Baker played fine. He played he played perfectly fine. You know, there, there was nothing he did that was spectacular. There was nothing he did that was bad. He had uh, 23 throws 23 for like 31 or something like that 19 of his 23 passes were under 10 yards uh his a dot on the game was one one of the lowest uh recorded in any NFL game this year uh so it's it, I mean he did fine he just didn't do anything spectacular he didn't throw the ball very far because he didn't need to the the rushing attack was like eight yards a carry or something so when they're putting eight people in the box because they got to try to stop the run you can throw seven yard passes uh, they go for 45 yards. I mean, 219 of his 306 yards were, or something like that, were after the catch. So, I mean, he just wasn't throwing the ball very far. And when it got time, down, you know, in time for it, uh, and he needed to make plays, he couldn't do it. And that's ultimately what it was. Browns fans would be like, well, we had the injured tackles, you know, this, this, and that. The Ravens this past game had no one healthy on the O-line that started I don't the even, first game. Now, one player was in the I don't position. even think you could put it. So, I don't know. Ah, see, I don't think you could put it on the tackles because as much, you know, as people want to... That, that's what Stefanski did. Well, do you want to hear what's... Well, here's that's what, what Noah's going to say, right? The Baker's number one receiver, people will say it's Odell. It's Jarvis. It's always been Jarvis Landry and it always will be. I don't think, I don't think anyone says it's Odell. No one would it's say Jarvis it's Jarvis Landry. Landry. He Peter. doesn't have Jarvis Landry and I don't think this is telling of the Browns because their defense is banged up and their defense did not uh, play up to par. And their defense is, you know, what everyone's been talking about with Miles Garrett. They didn't have Jadavian Clowney. They didn't have Greg Newsome. Uh, Grant Delpit or Grady or uh, mm-hmm. Greedy Williams, one of them got hurt. When their defense is healthy, the I think it's more telling. The Browns are more telling from the Vikings game two weeks ago than they were from the Chargers game last week because their offense, like you said, it's inconsistent. When, when it needs to be, it can play with the best of them, but you don't know when that's going to be. The defense is going to show up consistently, but the defense was hurt. I think if we have a healthy defense, even without Jarvis Landry, I still think that's a game we, we could have won with a healthy defense because, like I said, we were missing we were missing Greg Newsome, who, he, in my opinion, he's been outplaying Denzel Ward this year. Denzel Ward has slipped a little bit. Greg Newsom's been playing phenomenal. Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit have both been playing phenomenal. I mean, there was just a lot of miscommunication in the secondary as Mike Williams got open for a long touchdown. I think it was two long touchdowns he got open for. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to disagree with you where I don't think this is telling of the Browns because I think the more telling game was the Vikings game where when the offense isn't clicking, the defense is good enough to carry us to wins. So I, I I somewhat agree with that. I actually somewhat agree. I think in this I think it showed how good the Browns mm-hmm. team was in the Vikings game. The Vikings aren't a good team, but they are a good offensive team. Very good offensive team. They have a lot of good weapons. Kirk Cousins is not nearly as bad as most people put him out to be. Um, uh, what I think is more telling about this game is the defense lost them the game for sure. Stefanski's calling third and ten will never make sense to me. And I don't know how anyone doesn't interpret it as he doesn't trust Baker to throw ten yards. I don't know how that's not interpreted as that. It makes no sense to not throw there. But let's put that aside, okay? Baker played fine. In no way is he the reason that they lost, and no one should be saying that. That is a barbarically stupid thing to say. Very, very dumb. However, Baker is the reason they didn't win the game. I don't care what receivers you have out there. Lamar's been throwing with everyone on the offense. hurt. There's no old line. Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown have dropped seven balls this year. They have the most drops on the team. The Ravens haven't made an injury report once. 
and and Lamar ripped apart the the defense this past game. He threw everyone says he can't throw, and he threw for 450 yards in a, in a football game. So I I mean I don't I I think it, it's interesting. You know I'm comparing these two quarterbacks just because you know I'm a Ravens fan and I I'm, I'm in Cleveland, <laughs> so I hear Browns fans all the time. Um, but Baker Baker did not win that game for them. You know when it was time that final drive. When Stefanski said, I didn't want to throw in third and ten because the tackles were hurt, which is such a terrible response. So bad. I don't know why you would ever say that. You need to throw in that situation. Then the following drive, they throw every single pass because they have to, just like the third and ten situation. There was no quarterback pressures. Baker completely wasted that final drive. He threw three passes for 11 yards that were all under the middle, over the middle, because that's all he can he can do. He's not really able to throw it down the field when people are actually guarding the receivers down the field and not stacking the box. So the defense lost that game, but Baker could have won it, and he didn't. And I think that's ultimately where where that game ended up lying out for me. So that's why I think it was so telling. It showed that Stavansky doesn't trust Baker just like I don't. Um, and it showed that he's not capable of actually winning a game when it matters. And it's not even like the Chargers' defense is like some crazy great defense because they're pretty bad. Actually, very bad. They're, they're yeah. a below-average defense. Their run defense run is defense, atrocious. Yeah. And you're telling me Baker Mayfield can't get down the field? I don't care if Jarvis isn't there. He, he has Odo Beckham Jr. has paid $20 million. He has Austin Hooper has paid $12 million. He's uh, the best guard and center combo in the history of the league, even without the tackles. He's the two best running backs in the league. you know. And you're telling me you can't get down the field at 20 yards to just get in field goal position? I mean, that's terrible. That's that's horrible execution. Uh, and... You know, I want to remind, in no way am I saying Baker lost that game for them, because he didn't. The defense allowed 40 points. Baker doesn't play defense. Um, but when Baker was given the opportunity to win that game, he wasn't able to do it with an, uh, the highest-paid offense in the league, highest-paid defensive line. Uh, I think the second-highest-paid running back duo in the first is, like, Henry, who gets $20 million himself and whoever the hell else is with him. Uh, so it's just, in my opinion, incredibly unimpressive by the Browns. The Browns have a semi-decent quarterback, the Browns would win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. See, and they just don't. That's ultimately what I think it comes down to. Go ahead, no, yep. you can respond, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Past I think the they, if the Browns are to win a Super Bowl, I think Baker can do it. And also, it is people like you that are the reason Baker is going to come out today and have an amazing game against the Cardinals, and the Browns are going to go to 4-2. <laughs> <four and two. laughs> it's amazing, because that's like exactly what I would expect every Browns fan to be like. It's, oh, just, it's, it's you haters of Baker, and that's the reason he's going right. to play well. No, he's, he's not going to play well. He is he's good. not that he is good. But let's talk. move on. Let's he is good. Mo- let's move on past uh, the Baker Mayfield because discussion he's good. for today. Because um, I I could go on and on about that. But let's let's move on. I mean, do, do we have anything else we want to talk about in the NFL, Trevor? Um, I just I mean we could mention like a couple good games. Like I really wanted to talk about this Ravens Chargers game actually because this is the more I look at it, I think this is the best game of the day, and I'm very excited for it. Um, the Ravens to me are like when the Ravens are playing I usually try to tune in whenever possible because they have been involved in a lot of close games almost all of their games have been thrillers outside of that uh, Broncos game which they pretty easily won that one but uh you know when they're in big games it's usually going to be a good game obviously Lamar is one of the I would say top three top four most fun players to watch in the NFL Uh, you could argue he's number one like I love watching Lamar and then they're playing the Chargers who are also super fun team Herbert, I love Austin Eckler. I've been trying to, I mean, you have him on your fantasy team, which I'm never getting him from you, Brandon, but I wish I could because I love Austin Eckler. And just their offense as a whole looks very strong. Now, the run defense, obviously, some issues there. I think the Ravens are going to take advantage of that. Um, But overall, I think this is going to be a really good game. And it's, I I don't know who's going to win. I mean, I might lean the Chargers just because I think they are a slightly better football team right now. But I think this is going to be a phenomenal game. Yeah, so right now the line is minus two and a half to the Ravens. I think that's crazy. Um, I, I see the Chargers winning this game. I mean, they're just a better football team than the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are very beaten up, uh, not at full strength, not, not even at 80% strength. They do get a couple key pieces back. Rashad Bateman, their first-round pick, wide receiver, comes in. He's, he's going to be playing his debut today. Um, we also have Tyree Phillips, the, the right guard. Excuse me. Or, yeah, right guard, um, who is coming back. That'll be big help to a very depleted O-line. Um, the Ravens' run attack has been pretty atrocious. You know, the running backs, it seems like, I, I didn't think it would be a big deal at the start of the season, but it seems like Edwards and Dobbins are way better than I initially thought they were because the run offense has been atrocious. 
uh, the past couple games. They barely got 100 yards against uh, Denver. Obviously, we know what happened there uh, last week against a Colts run team that is is it's all right. It's in the middle. It's fine. I mean, they should be able to run over 100 yards on them. They ran like 70 or something, and Lamar had 55 of it. Um, so I expect a great day from Lamar. Uh, the Chiefs passing defense is pretty terrible. Not a great day from the run. I, I don't fully agree with that. I, I think the Chargers win by a decent amount. I'd say 7 to 10 points, uh, which I hope doesn't happen, but I, I gotta be not biased. Uh, like our Browns fan friends, uh, I gotta be not biased. You know, they aren't capable to do it, so someone's gotta do it. Um... Noah, but before we move on, any game you want to mention? One thing is, the it, this is a crime. The Browns game wasn't flexed to Sunday night. I mean, it's yeah. a crime. They should be playing Sunday night. Any, anything you want to talk about, Noah, before we move um, I think I've said all I need to about the Browns. What I will say is the one team this year that I've genuinely, you know, I try to watch all their games if they're not playing when the Browns are, the Rams. Um, I just think Matthew Stafford playing with that Rams team are a good is football team. Um, electric, to say the least. I love, um, you know... Any sport, I love watching teams where, uh, you know, one player could just go crazy in any given second, and I think the Rams have that on offense and on defense because at any given second, you know, Aaron Donald could just go off for a few sacks. Or on offense, any given second, the Rams have an element this year where Stafford can just throw the ball deep um, and they can score like a 50-plus yard touchdown and Cooper Cup is on my fantasy team. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'll say on that. And now Robert Woods. Robert mm-hmm. Woods in a different league. Yes. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the NBA. That's why we have the esteemed guest today uh, because of his NBA and basketball knowledge. Um, so we're we're gonna start off um, in in the East, okay? And the the uh, Eastern Conference has, I think, a lot of good teams. None that are great. Obviously, we saw the Bucks win last year. Um, but you guys know a lot more than I do on this subject. So Noah, I want to start off with you. Um, who are the contenders in the East, in your um, opinion? I think it's the same, you know, two, three, four teams that we saw last year. You know, um, whether it's this year or the next two years, you can almost certainly count the Brooklyn Nets in to win a title. And even without Kyrie, they have two top ten players and arguably, you know, the best player on the face of the earth right now in Kevin Durant. And, you know, everyone says it, I'll say it, he was, you know, a size smaller shoe away from sending the Nets home in the second round um, with a second left. I think the Bucks, you know, now that they figured it out, they're always a threat. Here's the thing. There's different stages to being a contender. The first stage is, you know, you dominate in the regular season and you think that that's going to carry over into the postseason as the Bucks were doing for two years. And then you realize you need to spend the regular season tinkering with your, you know, adjustments, uh, different defenses. And that's what you saw the um, Bucks do last year, and it paid off. They won a title. And this brings me back to LeBron's second stint in Cleveland. They didn't care much about their regular season finish because they knew they had LeBron in the games they needed to win. They'd win. And, I mean, they were – they the four years LeBron was back in Cleveland, I think they were the two, the three, and the four. And I don't think they were the one. Um, going back to this year, like I said, the Nets, the Bucks, and I think the Sixers, even without Ben Simmons, you still have Joel Embiid, who's an all-world talent. You still have Seth Curry, who he may not be Steph Curry, but Seth Curry's still an all-world shooter. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey mm-hmm. is going to step up. I think they have a solid you know, bench. I think Georges Niang is an underrated signing. Um, and then I'm really going to keep an eye on the Hawks this year. If they bring everyone back, you have Nate McMillan who's back with them. They're definitely going to make the playoffs, but I mean, I don't necessarily know if they'll be able to beat two of the Bucks, Sixers, Nets combo. And then just a couple other teams I'm keeping my eyes on are the Celtics and Heat. Trevor, a- any other teams or anything else you'd like to cap off of the, the Eastern Conference contenders? Yeah, so with the East, to me, there's two contenders. It is the Nets and the Bucks. Uh, those are my two contenders. One of those teams I think will be winning the East unless the 76ers somehow are able to pull off like a blockbuster trade and get some really solid player that actually can help them contribute in a big way uh, in, in place of Ben Simmons. Um, but, you know, until that happens, I, I think they're a step below those two teams. I think 
the Nets and the Bucks. Obviously, we know you know how that series went last year. The Nets had all those injuries. I think they would have won it. You know, if everyone was healthy, I think they would have won the title if everyone was healthy. As you mentioned, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA to me. Um, Giannis is right behind him, though. I have, I have Giannis number two. I actually did pass. Le- I did have him pass LeBron because I think. You know, just because of what we saw last year from Giannis, especially in the finals, I think he's got to give him a nod over LeBron. LeBron may retake that second position or even maybe could retake the first position. But I think Giannis is right behind Durant in that. Um, and then with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, as I kind of transition, I kind of like some of the moves they made. I mean, getting Grayson Allen, obviously, you know, you sign Bobby Portis again. And, you know, the season coming off of how Drew Holiday really elevated their ceiling, as we saw the adjustments they made in the regular season, really playing for the postseason, that is going to make them a contender again. I think they'll probably get the one seed overall just because Brooklyn, I think, you know, not having Kyrie, um, having those injuries to Durant and Harden, I think they're going to be a little more conservative in the regular season. And you might see those guys resting a little bit more. Um, you know, really just playing for the playoffs as well, just like the Bucks. I think the Bucks will probably be the better regular season team. Um, I, I guess that's how I can kind of end it on contenders. But as we kind of transition here into the other teams in the East, the playoff teams, um, I, I think it's interesting because I think the next tier for me, I guess, if I were to say, would be the 76ers, the Heat, and the Atlanta Hawks. I think those are the next three um, in the regular season. I think Atlanta is actually, you know, in a prime position to get the three seed because of all the depth they have. I think Trey Young is really in a good position to have just a, an insane regular season. I think he can put up pretty crazy numbers. He might even be like a good long shot bet at the MVP. I don't think he'll win it, but it's like a decent bet with his odds, I would say. Um, and then Philly, yes, Embiid's going to be incredible if he's, you know, if he's able to play 60, 65 games. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, I guess bad juju, maybe you can call it, with uh, Simmons and, you know, some of those, just how their team's going to look. I mean, I listened to a Danny Green, uh, like his comment about Simmons, and, I, you know, he kind of tried to, like, dance around, like, oh, you know, Simmons is here, and, you know, he doesn't have to be a good shooter, he's just got to do his job, and I was like, eh, there's definitely not good vibes here, so I don't like the feel of the Sixers. They'll still be obviously a good team, but I don't like it um, as far as with Simmons as, as a ceiling. We'll see what moves they make. Um, Miami, I love this team. I love all the players. Obviously, I'm a Heat fan, um, but you know, long-term, can they challenge the Nets or Bucks? going to be tough. Um, so that's kind of my next tier, but uh, Noah, I'll, I'll go back to you. Um, you know, kind of just as we look at the playoff teams in general, um, you, you mentioned it, or you mentioned some of the teams already. But do you have any kind of maybe a sleeper that you're looking out for, and how do you see this playoff race race kind of shaking out? At least? <clears throat> I'm keeping my eyes on Charlotte. I think what they're building is great. I think Lamelo Ball has superstar potential. I think I loved the draft pick James Booknight. I think he's a real stud. He gives that second unit a pure score almost. Um, and they're starting to go with the small ball too. PJ Washington, he's only about six seven. They're playing him at center, and they can go, you know, four out, five out lineups with Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, um, Miles Bridges, and in, in Washington. And I also like their signing of Kelly Oubre because last year they made it up to fourth place in the East, and then Gordon Hayward got hurt. While Kelly Oubre is not the same player as Gordon Hayward, he does provide them depth at the wing position. I also am going to be watching out for the Bulls. I really don't think they're a threat to, you know, go anywhere to make some noise, but they are a threat to make the playoffs just because, you know, one of the stats I always keep my eye on, it's an advanced stats. It's, um, you know, the box plus minus. To me, that is the most important stat. You know, how's the team plus minus while you're on the court? Nikola Vucevic, he played in 70 games last year, and he was he finished 13th in the NBA in plus-minus last year, in box plus-minus. And now they're going to need to figure out some things on defense. DeMar DeRozan teams are historically, um, they're not good on defense. So, you know, they got to figure that out. Um, they got to figure out their half-court offense, but, I mean, they're going to be good. Um, you got two of the best dunkers, two of the most athletic players in the NBA, and Zach Levine and Alex Caruso. Lonzo Ball has really, def- you know, 
figured his shot out. Um, you know, if if they can almost do like a, you know, a four out one in lineup with DeRozan being the one in and Vucevic, Levine, Ball, and Patrick Williams on the perimeter, I think they can make some noise. But going back to the team you were talking about, the Heat, I think Tyler Hero is the key for the Heat. You know what you're going to get from Lowry. You know what you're going to get from Jimmy Butler. You know what you're going to get from Bam Adebayo. And you know what you're going to get from Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson's shot has made him, you know, he, he has an otherworldly shot. It's not where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are, but it's getting up there. You always got to be aware of what Duncan Robinson's going to do. You got to hug him defensively. You give him even the slightest bit of space, he's going to let that thing fly. So it's allowed, his shot has allowed him to have average skills in other areas where some players, if they were average in that area, um, it wouldn't fly. But I think Duncan Robinson has done a good job of making himself more of a threat, um, you know, coming off those dribble handoffs, coming off those pin downs. He can put it on the, you know, put it on the ground one time and, you know, hit a pass. I think he's gotten good at that. But I think the key is going to be Tyler Hero. Um, we saw what he could do at his best in the bubble in last year. He didn't really take that full step forward. If he's able to take that step forward, I think that is the difference maker. Because, again, Bam Adebayo, his shot's starting to come along. He's still only 23, 24, you know, somewhere in that area. He's low 20s. If Tyler Hero is able to develop, you can get, you know, four out one in lineups. But with Jimmy Butler, if Bam's able to hit that 15 to, you know, that 15 plus foot jumper, that mid-range to three line jumper, you know, you can get Jimmy Butler playing in the paint who isn't that good of a three-point shooter. You can get Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry coming off dribble handoffs, off the curls, pin downs, coming around the three line. So I think, like you said, the Heat are a team to watch out for, but I'm also keeping my eyes on the Bulls and the Hornets. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there, I mean, there's just so many fun players, so many fun teams. With Tyler Hero, I felt like um, just, you know, as a Heat fan, from my perspective, looking at, like, how he played in the bubble, it almost seemed like he was, like, overrated because, you know, just really just the way he played his hot shooting in the bubble kind of made people think of him very highly. And I, I like Tyler Hero for sure, but I was like, eh, I, I don't know. Let's, let's see a little bit more. And then last season there was a little bit of a disappointment. And then... It was like, okay, well, now I think he's actually maybe a little underrated coming into this, you know, this season now for him. So I think it's, uh, I think he'll definitely be better than last season. I'm excited to see how it works. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is truly my, outside of a, a D-Wade-led Heat team, this is maybe my single favorite Heat team I've seen since, since D-Wade's been there. I'm excited for that. Um, but so here, I want to get your thoughts on my, I made like a little playoff prediction. I have my eight teams. I know you're going to disagree with one team that I leave out, I'm, I'm assuming. But here, quickly, this is my top eight. I have uh, Milwaukee's the one seed. I have Brooklyn, two seed. Uh, three's Atlanta. Philly at the four. Miami at the five. Boston at the six. Chicago at the seven. And I have the Indiana Pacers rounding out at eight. Uh, I left off your Charlotte Hornets. I have them number nine. And I have the Knicks number ten. But it, it was really difficult because I love a lot of these teams. Um, you know, And someone had to be left out. But what, what do you think about that, Noah? What do you think I got wrong? I, I don't think there's much wrong there. I think those, if they're, you know, with the play-in game, I think those are the 10 teams that are going to make it. I think you're a little low on the Knicks because sometimes the best thing teams can do is keep that continuity. Um, I think people are underrating that Kemba Walker signing. I think, you know, Kemba's not the player he was in Charlotte and he's not the player he was that first year in Boston, but he's still a difference maker. I think the Pacers are going to be solid. I mean, I just think... You know, they're in that weird purgatory state in the NBA where they don't, they have enough good players to be competitive and make the playoffs, but they have too many good players to, you know, bottom out and get a good draft pick. Um, I think Rick Carlisle is going to be the biggest difference there. Um, he's a respected coach. He's won a championship. He knows what he's doing. I think, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, Damanis Sabonis, and Karis LeVert, I think those are three really good young players. Um, Demonis Sabonis is an all-star. Malcolm Brogdon um, can carry a team. He has that, you know, he's able to take over when he needs to at the end of the games. Um, I think, you know, another team you got to watch out for, you got to watch out for the Wizards and Raptors. Nick Nurse is a phenomenal coach. Um, they have length. They have size to be competitive defensively. And as for the Wizards, I mean, you can't, 
people are continuing to count against Bradley Beal for rightful reasons. But, I mean, I think this is the deepest team the Wizards have had around Bradley Beal. I really like that Spencer Dinwiddie trade. I'm very high on Dinwiddie. Um, I think some of those young guys they got from the Lakers, Kuzma, uh, well, not young, but guys they got from the Lakers are going to be able to help right away. But I also am really watching for Corey Kispert, their rookie they drafted out of Gonzaga, 15th overall. Probably the best shooter in college basketball last year. You got to watch out for his defense because if his three's not falling in his defense, he's not able to play an NBA caliber defense. There's not going to be much reason to keep him on the court. But if his three shots falling, you can hide him on defense. Another person I think you should be watching out for, uh, he didn't really play that well last year, but he was injured, is Denny Avdia out of Israel. He's a 6'9 wing. They mm-hmm. talked about his court vision when he got drafted. I think he could be an X factor as well as uh, Daniel Gafford, who they basically stole in a trade from the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting teams in the East. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the Raptors Wizards. Those probably would be my two teams after those 10. And at the bottom, unfortunately, we have the Cavs, then the Pistons and Magic. It's kind of, I think what it, that kind of rounds out the East there. Uh, And I I think the Cavs, you know, I'm obviously a big Colin Sexton fan. I know Brandon's a pretty big Colin Sexton fan as well. Um, Garland, a lot of people were talking about him. Like, Garland, is he going to take a leap? Mobley, obviously, a very fun player. Um, So Cleveland's going to be interesting. They have a lot of bigs, which is a little strange. They just got Taco Fall, which is going to be fun. Um, And, yeah, Detroit, obviously, it's going to be the Cage show, which is a very fun player to watch. And then Orlando, they have, you know, a lot of interesting, you know, young guards. Obviously, Jalen Suggs now with, uh, obviously, Cole Anthony. They have some of their wings and bigs that haven't been as successful as maybe people would think. So we'll see how that works out. Obviously, those teams are kind of still in the development phase. Uh, but, Brandon, any uh, big takeaways you have from the East before we transition to the West? Yeah, the one thing I wanted to just add uh, is I, I think the Nets got this. Even without Kyrie, I, I just feel like the Nets' star power is going to be a little too difficult to guard. I mean, maybe you guys disagree. Um, I mean, the Bucks are obviously going to be the regular season team. They'll have the highest you know, point differential, etc. Um, but I think that the the uh, the Nets will, will take the East for sure. No, I, I do have a question for you about the Bulls, uh, before we move to the West. Uh, the Bulls have a lot of kind of random talent, similar to kind of the Lakers in the sense of, like, it doesn't even make sense, the talent they have together. Do you think the Bulls could be a successful team with the talent they have? I think they can. Again, it all depends. I mean, Billy Donovan is a very good coach. It all depends how um, he's able to use the talent. DeMar DeRozan is going to be the key to everything because as we saw in San Antonio, while he was able to, he became more adept to shooting threes, he still only shot 72 threes last year over a 70-game season, which is barely one per game. I think the thing the Bulls need to do that will make them successful is a four-out, one-in offense with DeRozan being the one in. Vucevic can stretch it. He's shot 30 to 35% from three before. Lonzo Ball, when they're getting out in transition, Lonzo Ball can be a point guard in transition. And he's gotten his shooting percentage from three up to 38%. Levine's usage rate will go down, but his efficiency should go up. So for the Bulls, it can work. It's just one, how will they utilize DeMar DeRozan? And two, what are they going to do with their bench units? Their bench units, weak on shooting, strong on defense. If they're the thing the Bulls need to do to be successful is they need to play a fast-paced game. If they're Mm -hmm. playing a slow-paced game, they're going to be Mm -hmm. in trouble. Going back to the Cavs really quick, like Trevor mentioned, you guys might be high on Colin Sexton. For as high as you are on Colin Sexton, I am that much higher on Darius Garland. He is the person, him and Evan Mobley, and in my opinion, Jarrett Allen, are who the Cavs should be building around. You need to see Isaac Okaro take a step forward in defense. For as good as Colin Sexton is, for as good as he was last year, I just don't think the Cavaliers can replicate the success the Trailblazers had with the two small guards. I think they need to trade Sexton, cash in his value, try and package him with, you know, a bad contract, Kevin Love, bad contract, and try and get something in return because I don't think Colin Sexton is the answer over Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Yeah, I, I love Sexton, but I actually agree. I, I just, I think Garland's the better guard. Um, but I mean, Sexton was like, I, I loved him coming mm-hmm. out of college. I mean, we'll have to see with them. Um, any, anything else you guys want to add before we kind of move on towards the West? I no, think the Pistons... I, I think that's about it. Oh, 
I think the Pistons. Yeah, are, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, I no. think the Pistons have a lot of young, intriguing talent with Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. Um, you know, so myself, I, at first you question a, someone like Kelly Olynyk, who's kind of a veteran, but the most successful teams with the rebuilds are the ones who sign these veterans to kind of establish a culture. I mean, last year, everyone questioned why did Charlotte sign Gordon Hayward? You know, they're young. They don't really have a good team. And look how well it worked out. So I, I think the Pistons, I think they will be bad. But I think they're a team that has a lot of, that can be competitive in a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And Charlotte's Charlotte's going to be super fun. I mean, just like a great team to watch. And again, like Gordon Hayward, you mentioned, Gordon Hayward was incredibly important to them last year. When he went out, when he was injured, um, As you, I think they were like the four seed before he got injured, then he got injured, and then he obviously kind of fell off. So he's going to be incredibly important to them again. Uh, but here as we kind of trans, uh, transition into the Western Conference, um, the West, as usual, you know, a pretty deep conference. Um, it's interesting because the East-West, you know, there's been a lot of talk, like, has the East caught up to the West? I think we're at a point now where it's fairly even. Like, I think it's actually very close. I think, like, the top two teams in the East are maybe better than the top two teams in the West, but then I feel like there's maybe a little more depth in the West, but then it's, I don't know, I think it's very evenly matched at this stage. But here with the West, let's kind of get into the contenders. I think... Uh, for me, the best team in the West is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I don't care about uh, this nonsense. Oh, they went 0-6 in the preseason. Don't care about that. Preseason does not matter to me. Um, and I know the fit. You know, people could talk about it. And I kind of agree. Like, the fit isn't ideal with Westbrook, with LeBron. Obviously, two players that love the ball in their hands. Yes, it might not be the best fit necessarily. But, I mean, LeBron just always makes it work. With whatever team he has around him, with whatever talent, I know he's 37 now. I know it's, I think, year 19, I want to say. Um, he, he just makes it work with whatever he has. And he still has Anthony Davis, who is at least a top 10, 11 player in the league, who's incredible. Um, they did manage to get a couple shooters, Malik Monk. As I mentioned before, that's kind of the underrated signing that I really like that they did. They get Kendrick Nunn, who, you know, very hot and cold, like, Kendrick Nunn on the Heat, like, he had a lot of games where he could, you know, have, like, the 25 points in 22 minutes, but then on other nights, he's, you know, it's like, where's Kendrick Nunn at? It's, you know, so very hot and cold, but he'll definitely give you some performances there that can make you happy if you're a Lakers fan. Um, other than the Lakers, I'm still looking at, so I think, I think there's clearly a little bit of a step down after the Lakers. Um... And I think those next teams are probably Utah and Phoenix, I think, are the next two. And then it gets a little dicey after that. Like, it, a lot of things depend on health and when players come back. Like, with the Warriors, like, we don't know exactly when Klay Thompson's coming back. There's been rumors, oh, December, maybe January. But we don't know, and we have to see it, like, with how he comes back from the injury. We just saw Durant return with a catastrophic injury in the best way possible, and he's the, the best player in the world now, even after that injury. So we'll see what Clay does. Um, Denver, obviously, also dealing with the Jamal Murray injury. Dallas has Luka, but, you know, is Porzingis going to be as good as advertised when, when they first got him? I don't know. His last year wasn't very good, so we'll see. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. obviously was uh, definitely had his moments, um, but I'm a little... I don't know. It's a little interesting with them. But I think those are kind of the teams that are really going to matter. Obviously, the Clippers, I don't know if Kawhi's going to play at all. So I don't think I can consider them a contender. But uh, Noah, I'm going to throw it to you here. Um, who are the biggest contenders to win the Western Conference? So to me, there's kind of, there's five teams I see kind of above the rest. I see the Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, and Warriors above above everyone else. You're, and I can give you a reason. I'll give you a reason for each team. Obviously, with the Lakers, like you said, they, they have, they're as good as anyone when LeBron and AD are healthy. They add Westbrook, but here's the thing, right? They, their entire roster, minus Nunn, Malik Monk, and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, is about 50 years old, average age. Not, not actually, but they have a very, very old roster. And, you know, it's going to be a struggle just to get them through the regular season. Obviously, you get to the postseason, they'll be fine. And they're one of the, the teams where you don't really worry about in the regular season. But I'm just not, 
as good as I think they can be, I don't think they're far and away the best team in the league. I think they have far and away probably the greatest, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And you got him and Anthony Davis, but again, everything hinges on their health. And they signed a lot of old guys, so it'll be it'll be easy to um, to see how they do. The Jazz, I think that they shored up. You know, the problem they ran into against the Clippers was um, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley got hurt, and once Rudy Gobert, um, you know, was pulled out of the paint, the Clippers were just driving all the time. The Jazz didn't have an option for small ball, and part of that is well, one. Rudy Gobert is so good defensively, it's hard to play without him. He is their defensive catalyst. But when the Clippers went small, pulled Rudy away from the basket, the Clippers didn't, or the, excuse me, the Jazz didn't have any rim protection. I think that Rudy Gay signing has been huge. For a while, in the beginning of his career, any team Rudy Gay was on, they weren't good. As soon as Rudy Gay left, they made the playoffs. Fast forward to the last few years, Rudy Gay came back from an Achilles injury in San Antonio and he's actually played fairly well. I think Rudy Gay can be that small ball five that the Jazz will need to compete in the West. And Donovan Mitchell um, is a bona fide superstar, not a star, a superstar. He is one of the 15 best players in the league. His shot-making ability is incredible, especially in the postseason. He is just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's so fun to watch. And Donovan Mitchell is capable of carrying a team into the playoffs and through the playoffs. The key is, will they be able to perfect that small ball? Like I mentioned with the East, there's different stages contenders go through. First, there's they pop onto the scene, they dominate in the regular season, they come up short in the playoffs, and then that next stage is using the regular season to tinker with lineups, tinker with defensive strategies, so in the playoffs, you're able to blitz teams. So it'll be interesting to see how Jazz do. Next is the Suns. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, with the Rudy thing, like, it's tough. I think Rudy Gay will definitely help, like, with the depth as far as, like, stretching the floor. And, you know, that's another guy who can score, create a little bit. But I think this Rudy Gobert thing is, like, you're kind of just, like, you got you got to just take the the good with the bad ultimately and i think they could have overcame it last year as a thing if they didn't have the injuries with Conley and Mitchell i think they could have overcame it i don't know if they would have won the championship but i think they would have at least beaten the clippers and maybe they would have beaten the suns as well i don't know um but i i just i don't know i i still feel really good about this team and i think uh you got to take the good with the bad cuz i think they still may be able to overcome it because i really believe in Donovan, Donovan Mitchell kind of as you mentioned um, I I don't think they'll be able to do that just because once Rudy Gobert gets pulled away from the basket, they don't have any good rim protections, any good interior defender. Um, and a zone is not an option in the playoffs, for maybe for a possession or two. But with the three-second rule, on, with the defense of three seconds, it's too hard to keep Rudy Gobert in the paint. So, But I'm glad you brought up the Suns because they're the next team I was going to talk about. Um. I think they're they're just going to keep getting better. I mean, Devin Booker is becoming a superstar. Chris Paul is one of the three best point guards of all time, and it just seems his game is just timeless. You know, he, he doesn't age. He's the maestro. He's the mid-range maestro. I mean, he's, he's a top, like I said, top three point guard of all time. DeAndre Ayton is continuing to get better. Mikel Bridges is, you know, a player you need in today's NBA to be successful. Jay Crowder brings toughness. So, I mean... I everyone says that Phoenix kind of got lucky on their way to the finals. I mean, they did face teams that were dealing with injuries, but it was no fluke. The Suns deserved to be in the finals. The Suns deserved to be two wins away from a title. Um, and with the Nuggets, yeah, the Jamal injury, the Jamal Murray injury hurts them, but they still have the reigning MVP in Nikola Jokic. Michael Porter Jr. is going to take another step forward, in my opinion. And I really like uh, Nishan Boone's Highland, who they drafted out of VCU. I know preseason numbers don't mean much, but from between summer league and preseason, he has been playing phenomenal. Um, and he's surpassed Marcus Howard on the depth chart. He's, uh, he's a complete point guard. But again, the Nuggets are a team with you know high-level, you know deep playoff aspirations. So it'll be interesting to see how much Highland plays in the regular season versus when it's time for the playoffs, how much he's playing there. But if Michael Porter Jr. takes the step forward I believe he's capable of taking, then 
Jamal Murray or no Jamal Murray, this Nuggets team should be able to make it to, to March, April without him. And then the fifth team I'm keeping my eyes on is the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Klay Thompson's going to miss, you know, through, you know, maybe the first half of the season. But Steph Curry played an MVP level last year. Draymond Green is still a defensive genius. Um, they brought back some veterans, which is when they were successful during their di- dynastic run. I think that Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody um, are going to contribute, not a lot, but the right way. Um, if James Weissman is able to learn from Kavon Looney, I think they'll be good. But like I said, Steph Curry um, is the greatest shooter ever. When they have him, when you have a player of his caliber on that team, he immediately raises your floor. Once they get Klay Thompson back, it's not the same teams they had when they were a dynasty. They don't have Kevin Durant. But like I said, and I will continue to say, they still have Steph Curry, the greatest shooter ever. On any given night, Steph Curry could go off for 60 points. He's always a threat. If they're able to get guys around him who know how to play basketball and who are able to hit open shots, Warriors are going to be a top top five, top four team in the West. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are, are always fun. And it's, you know, with not having Clay the past couple of years, it's we've really kind of, I think, got to see again, like, I think for some people, maybe it was just like, oh, Steph Curry. Yes, he's still Steph Curry, but last season we were kind of reminded just how like transcendent of an of an all time player Steph is. I mean, he was in the MVP race. He was a scoring leader. He's just so fun to watch. It really can't be understated. And um, I could see him having, you know, maybe not a season quite like that necessarily, but I think something close to that because he is capable of it. You know, any given night. Um, obviously, Steph Curry's all time great. So the Warriors are going to be really fun. Um, I guess just kind of to round out the playoffs, um, those six teams that we mentioned, or I think you mentioned five, I have the I have Dallas kind of in that same category uh, as my, and those are kind of my top six to round out. I have Portland and the Clippers. Um, I think the Clippers still will make it, but it's definitely tricky uh, without Kawhi. Obviously, Paul George is the, the number one option. You know, they sign uh, Terrence Mann on like a good, uh, short-term deal. I think it was like two years, twenty million. I want to say is what I I remember seeing for the Terrence Mann, which I think is a pretty good deal because yes, Terrence Mann had the one good run, um, and I think this is like a like you're not really risking a ton. And Terrence Mann, if he continues to play like that in the playoffs, then obviously it's going to be a huge win uh, for the Clippers. So I kind of like uh, the deal that they got there, um, but I think it's going to be tough, obviously, with without Kawhi. Kawhi, who to me is one of the best five players. Um, but any any sleepers that you see, Noah, any teams that you really like, or maybe, uh, you know, just, I guess, any other thing you wanted to mention in particular with the West? I think the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers can be party poopers. If the Trailblazers are able to figure out their defense, they have a top 10 player easily in Damian Lillard, who is another guy who can go off for 45 to 50 plus on any given night. Um, they're a team I like. I certainly like to watch. Um, and with the Grizzlies, they're they're an extremely deep team, and John Moran is a has superstar potential. So I think they are two teams that um, can crash the West playoff party. And you know the Mavs are also like you said, they're a top tier team. I don't necessarily think they're a top tier team. But I think they're getting there. I think anytime you have Luka Doncic, that's good for 45-plus wins. Um, but, yeah, big question. How is Jason Kidd going to utilize Kristaps um, Porzingis? He's not, um, you know, he didn't really do anything in the playoffs. But the biggest problem Dallas has, has is they need someone to be a secondary ball handler. They don't have that. Jalen Brunson um, is a secondary ball handler, but he's not going to... He's not going to be a person who, um, in the postseason, is able to to handle a burden that Luca is able to handle. And you know, as good as Luca is on the ball, he is that much dangerous, that much more dangerous off the ball. So if the Mavericks are able to figure out a secondary ball handler, if Jason Kidd is able is able to smartly um, utilize Kristaps Porzingis, the Mavs can also crash that top four, top five party in the West. Yeah, I was I was really expecting more from the Mavs in the offseason. Um, they didn't really make any huge moves um, to really, you know, 
I, I guess just really make sure that you know you're keeping your star in Luka Doncic. I mean, I look at this season in a, in the same way, and I like to compare Luka and LeBron a lot because I think their early careers have a lot of similarities. Um, and with LeBron, like the 06 team, he kind of took like a leap that season where he there was his third season. I think he was 20 years old. And he averaged like 31, 7, and 7. He made a run at the MVP. Maybe should have won it over Steve Nash. That's, you know, a close call. Him and Kobe all had great seasons. But I think Luka could have a similar type of season where he's like maybe carrying this team to like a 4 or 5 seed and he just goes berserk. And we're going to talk a little MVP later, but that's one of the reasons I I think of Luka highly in the MVP discussion. But with these other guys, like Porzingis, again, it's it's going to be highly reliant on him. Um you know, which I don't feel great about personally. I do really like Tim Hardaway um, Jr. I, I thought he played very well. He's a perfect player to play alongside with Luca. Um, you know, and you got Finney Smith and Dwight Powell there, who are who are definitely good, solid options for sure. But you need, like you said, you need another creator. Jalen Brunson, who I do like, obviously I, I liked him coming out of Villanova, but can he be? as good as they need him to be if they're going to be a contender. I, I don't really think so. Um, but if he can, then then maybe they could take a next step in the playoffs and, and finally win a playoff series here. Uh, Portland, another team that I'm, I'm like, I'm almost like, I, I wouldn't call myself a Portland fan, but I just, again, I like a lot of their players. I'm a huge Damian Lillard fan, huge CJ McCollum fan. And they just got another player that I absolutely love. That's Larry Nance Jr., um, I think which Portland is known for their bad defense, uh, and I think Larry Nance is going to improve that uh, at least to some degree because he was a very good defender at Cle- in Cleveland. Um, I think he will make them a better team overall, but it's still like you know Portland's competing against so many other teams. I mean, I again I listed six teams I think that are better than them, so it's going to be tough. But regardless, we we still get to watch Damian Lillard just have some insane nights. Um, where he goes off and he'll have another incredible season. Uh, with the teams that kind of fall on the outside, um, Memphis, I do have on the outside of the playoffs. They, they'll they make the play-in, I think, for sure, just because they have John Morant, they have Dylan Brooks. Like, you know, those are two incredible players. I think John Morant could take a leap. I think he averaged around 19, 20 points a game and then kind of had like a couple playoff games where he went off. I think John Morant could really take like a leap this regular season. And in order for Memphis to get back to the playoffs, they might need him to to really have a big jump, um, which he, I think he might do. Um, Dylan Brooks really loved as well, but losing Jonas Valanciunas in the short term uh, for this season, I don't love, although they're trying to make way for this big Jaron Jackson jump, which may happen, you know, so... I don't necessarily hate the move long-term, but short-term you're looking at it. I think for this season, it makes them a little bit worse um, overall with Memphis. But, you know, we have these other teams kind of rounding it up. Like you have the Spurs who, you know, Popovich is near the end of his great run, obviously. You have the T-Wolves, you have Sacramento, and all these teams, they're interesting. Well, actually, the Timberwolves aren't necessarily that interesting. Um, But the Sacramento Kings are very interesting in the sense that um, they have this three guard lineup, which meh, I don't I don't know how I feel about it, but I like I like the players they have. Obviously, Rashawn Holmes, uh, former uh, Bowling Green State University Falcon, uh, got a root for him. Um, so they're going to be interesting. But some of the other teams here, it's it's for sure all about development. Um, you have Houston, OKC, a lot about development. Any any team or young players that you wanted to mention from any of those teams, Noah? Well, first, I want to go back to what you were saying about Luka Doncic, because you, you know, everybody likes to compare him to LeBron, or you like to. Statistically, yes, but I think they are completely, completely different. Luka's first year, you know, first three years, he's gotten two All-NBA teams. He's already eligible for the Supermax, and he's just much more of a, he has a better feel for the game at his, at their, at his age than LeBron did at his age. You know, LeBron, Still didn't have a shot around that time. Luka has a shot. LeBron was more of a slasher where they had to put shooters around him. Dallas has a much easier problem to solve because Luka can really do everything. You just got to figure out defense. Um, I think it's easier for, for the Mavericks now than it was for the Cavs back then because one of how the game's played and also because, um, you know, when LeBron came into the league, I don't necessarily know how to say what I want to say, 
LeBron came into the league, it took the Cavs three, four years to get to the postseason to, to even make some noise. While, you know, the Mavericks are making noise, I think Luka is much more um, of a complete player at his age than LeBron was at that age. Now, obviously, LeBron is one of the, you know, might be the most complete player in, in league history, but I think it, they're at different stages um, at their respective ages. In terms of players I'm watching, I think Jalen Green on Houston can be absolutely electric. Um, he's, he can make Houston a much watch. Also on Houston, I like Alperin Shangun, their center out of Turkey. He fell to 16th in the draft, but a lot of um, you know guys who know more than I do had him at a you know as a top 10, top 15 prospect. Oklahoma City is going to be very, 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 very bad. But Shea Gilgis Alexander is still a top, you know, twenty-five player in the league, and he can turn that team around if they get some lottery luck with their, tr- you know, treasure trove of draft picks. You mentioned that three-guard lineup in Sacramento. Well, I don't know if they played it in the preseason. I do think that they're going to have to get rid of one of their three. Davian Mitchell is probably the one of the guys, one of the two they want to keep, just because. You know, he didn't put up that many, you know, eye-popping stats in college, but that kid is a dog defensively. He can set a defensive change for that team. And Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox, I mean, with what I'm saying, you know, it's going to be one of those two that you're going to have to trade. Sacramento is in a place, you know, kind of like the the Pacers, but a little bit worse. They're, they're not necessarily good enough to bottom out, or bad enough to bottom out, excuse me, but they're not good enough to make a run. And the one time they did bottom out, they took Marvin Bagley the third over Luka Don or yeah over Luka Doncic. And while you know Bagley isn't bad, I mean he doesn't you know he hasn't proven that he was worth that number two pick. He ain't Luka. Yeah, exactly. He's not Luka. He is very very bad defensively, um, and just you know he's he's nearing that that bus talk. You know he can't stay on the court. I think if the Mavericks are maybe able to package De'Aaron Fox and um, Marvin Bagley into a package deal, I think they could get a really good player, maybe Ben Simmons. But, you know, Philly wouldn't do that. Philly Philly needs a guy that's going to help come in and help him win now. De'Aaron Fox would come in and help him win now. But De'Aaron Fox is only a 33 34% shooter from three. He's not going to fix the spacing issues. Um in the post, you know, he doesn't have that postseason experience. I mean, maybe it'd be good for him. He could be a really good number two, but he's still a solid number one option. It's just, I just don't think Sacramento knows exactly what they're doing. I don't think they've known what they're doing for the last 20 years since, you know, those Chris Webber, Peja Stoyakovich, um, Vladdy Divac, Mike Bibby teams. So, I mean, they're going to be interesting to watch. Maybe they'll break their playoff drought. I highly doubt it. Um, but again, I'm keeping my eyes on Jalen Green. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Brandon, I wanted to go to you. Um, the biggest takeaways from the West, obviously, you know, you're, I don't know if I'd call you a Laker fan, but you're obviously a big LeBron fan. I, I, I wouldn't call myself a Laker <laughs> fan either. You were, you were quick on that one. Uh, but any, what, what are some of your biggest takeaways in the West? You know, I... I think that there's two things. Number one, I want to point out the Suns did not get to where they got to by accident. The Suns are a very good basketball team. I mean, and they're essentially running it back, right? I mean, their their assets didn't really leave, correct? Yeah, and they no, added I mean, uh, Travail McGee yeah. to shore up their center position. Yep. So, I mean, the Suns are going to be in the talk again. Now, are they better than a Lakers team in terms of talent? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I hope the Lakers can make it there. I hope the Lakers win. I want LeBron to win. Um, so I hope the Lakers can get there. Um, my final little thought here, I don't see the Thunder making a playoff run. I don't know about you guys, but it's just not in the cards in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Oh, I wasn't saying they were going to make a playoff run. I think that just Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a, is a talent that can turn them into a place where people want to go in the next two to three, well, in the four future. to five years. <laughs> yeah, four to five years. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Anything else you guys like to add on the West before we kind of start wrapping up the NBA today? 
Nah, I mean, I, I think that's about it. Um, with with the West in general, I kind I kind of wanted to get into like a little MVP talk and then give our maybe finals predictions mm-hmm. to wrap it up. So I, I was talking about Luca, and I'll just say Luca is my MVP pick. I if I'm if I'm betting on it, uh, his odds he's the favorite. So like I don't know if I'd bet on his odds. It's not necessarily the best, but I if I have to pick. If you're making me pick an MVP, I'd pick Luca. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit better than maybe what the consensus has them. Uh, I think their over under is like 48 and a half, and you know most places I see, I think they're going to be able to get a four seed. Um, and I have them right around you know 50, 51 wins. And again, I'm not as sold on what is around Luca, but I certainly am sold on Luca. And I think he's going to have an incredible season. I think we'll see another jump in some of his stats. And I just think we're going to see a lot of games where Luca finds a way to pull it out. And I really think that he could put up, you know, a 38 and 8, something like that stat line, relatively efficient, uh, and just doing a lot of things for Dallas. I think he is my pick to win MVP. Uh, some other guys that I think could absolutely win it. I could see Giannis winning it again. Uh, Milwaukee's going to be, in my opinion, probably the one seed. Um, and he'll probably have, again, like, the past four seasons now, he's averaged, you know, incredible numbers, 28, 12, and 6, or whatever it's been, something like that. He could easily do that again. I could see Giannis winning it. Uh, Jokic um, is definitely a possibility for back-to-back. Um, now, can Denver be good enough uh, for him to potentially win it? Maybe they can. I, You know, I'm a little less sold on that. Um, you know, some other guys, Steph, Dame Lillard, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, that's kind of my top seven. Uh, but Noah, what, what do you think about that? Do you have an MVP pick, and uh, who are you kind of looking at here? There's five guys I'm watching this year. I'm watching Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Giannis. I think those five are kind of, um, you know, the five. Luca. I think those five are. No, Luka. I think those five are kind of above everyone else in terms of. I do think Luca could win it. Um, in my opinion, um, I think Kevin Durant is probably the favorite. But again, that is based off of the playoffs, and that is based off of um, Team USA's play. It'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Nets use him in the regular season and if he's putting up numbers. I think Jokic and Embiid. Um, are going to go toe-to-toe again. Um, you know, Embiid is someone who, you know, it's almost like Jason Tatum from two years ago. Tatum, you know, he was doing well, but he wasn't really exploding. He gets confirmed as, and he gets his first All-Star berth, and then he just takes off. Tatum just took off once he got that first All-Star nod, and then the pandemic happened. Um I think that, you know, Jokic is going to be another unstoppable force. He is definitely able to carry Denver to a a good enough record to win MVP. And Giannis is just going to, you know, he's the most dominant player since Shaq. Well, I do think Luka can win it. The Mavericks are the team where are they going to be good enough? And, you know, how will um, Jason Kidd's new um, how will his scheming offensively and defensively affect Luca and the rest of the team? And obviously, Steph is just one of the greatest players ever. I I feel like it's Luca's to lose. Also, um, a lot of the players he named are I think will be up there in the race. Um, but in my opinion, it's Luca's to lose. It really is, especially if Porzingis can like even semi be a nice you know accompanying piece next to him. Uh, you know, it really is Lucas lose. I don't want this confused, though, with uh, the best player in the league, which is LeBron James. And it's not even really that close, in my opinion. I, I don't want this to be confused just because Lucas might pick up an MVP or one of these other guys. LeBron's still the, the best player in the NBA. And that's just a fact. Okay. <laughs> but let's get to some final predictions. Noah, why don't you start off? Who who are in your finals and who wins? Out of the East, I think it's either going to be the Nets or the Bucks. Out of the West, that's more of a, you know, that's more of it can really go either way. If the Lakers are healthy, there's no reason why they shouldn't make it. Whereas someone like the Jazz or Suns, especially the Suns, they have that experience. They now know what it takes. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nets and Lakers, and I'm gonna go Nets winning the title. Um, I just think once Kevin Durant gets back there, once um, Harden gets back there, 
while obviously the big question with the Nets is the defense, the Nets proved in the playoffs last year they can they can put together uh, an average defense that's able to get them by with their extraordinary offense. I just think ultimately the Nets have too much offense for the Lakers to be able to stop, and I don't necessarily think the Lakers have enough offense. I think you get that deep into the into a postseason, you got eighty two regular season games, and you got you know. 20 plus playoff games that's 100 games in the season are the Lakers going to be able to hold up if the Lakers fall apart some injuries happen I think it's going to be the Jazz or Suns facing off the Nets either way I like the Nets this year um, but that is all based on how Kevin Durant plays I think like I said it's Nets or Bucks out of the East and it's Jazz Suns or Lakers out of the West Yeah, so I, Trevor, I'll let you go last. I I feel like it's going to be Lakers-Nets. Uh, and if I was a betting man, uh, I'm not betting against LeBron. It's kind of as simple as that. I'm going to take the Lakers. Uh, but at the same time, if Kevin Durant does have a season like Noah is talking about, I mean, that's going to be an insanely difficult team to beat. Um, and it's going to be a, a rough road uh, for the Lakers to get through that, if that is if my prediction is correct, where they both get, make it there. But, you know, we'll have to see. Trevor, why don't you wrap up uh, the pod today and tell us who you think will be in the finals. Yeah, so I, I wish I could be different, um, but I have written down on my note, um, on my laptop, Nets and Lakers. So I'm not going to deviate just because you both picked the same thing as me. Um, I really like what the Nets did in the offseason. I think, obviously, outside of all of the Kyrie Irving stuff, I think they got better in terms of their depth. Uh, Patty Mills, a great veteran player uh, to add. Obviously, you still have Blake Griffin there. Uh, they got Cam Thomas in the draft, who could be a steal. Cam Thomas has had a lot of uh, you know, high scoring performances in college here in this preseason. You know, I'm just I'm I'm looking at Cam Thomas, and I think he could really make up for. I don't know how many minutes he's necessarily going to get, but I think in the minutes he plays, I think he could have an impact. And also, they got Javon Carter, who didn't get a lot of run for Phoenix last year. hasn't You know, had a lot of playing time yet in big moments, but he's a West Virginia guy. Got to support West Virginia guys. Big Javon Carter fan, uh, you know, plays a, a lot of great defense, so I think that could be a good addition as well. They got Paul Millsap, obviously, uh, now, you know, much older veteran, but I, I just think they have a lot of good pieces here um, on top of having Kevin Durant and James Harden. Yes, there's no Kyrie, but last season, I mean, they were doing pretty well when Kyrie was out against Milwaukee in those first couple games, so I think Brooklyn is the team in the East to beat. Um, and then I have them beating the Lakers. Um, I don't know how many games necessarily, but I do have the Nets over the Lakers um, in the finals. The Lakers, to me, are the best team in the West. Again, like I mentioned, the fit isn't the best, but LeBron usually makes things work, even if they aren't as ideal. And I think it also benefits them that they had kind of an early exit, which gives LeBron more rest, gives uh, Anthony Davis some more rest now to recover from those injuries. Yes, they have a lot of veteran players, Um but overall, I think it is balanced out with, with some other young guys as well, um, like a Kendrick Nunn and a Malik Monk that can help. And, and with Westbrook, I just, I'm a little biased. I just really like Westbrook, you know. Um, so there's always going to be a place in my heart for Russell Westbrook. I'm going to be rooting for him this season. We'll see, we'll see how the fit is. I think in the regular season, it's going to work out very well. In the playoffs, um, I just I don't think there's any team in the West that I can sit here and legitimately uh, pick over them. So for me, it's uh, Nets over Lakers. All right, well, good prediction. But I think we'll we'll wrap up the uh, the NBA preview episode there for today. Noah, thank you so much for coming on. We we appreciate it. We hope this is not your last time coming on. Uh, the, the, the everyone who listens that I talk to loves having uh, hearing your voice and having you on, and we love it too. So hopefully this isn't your last time coming on. Anything you want to shout out or talk about before you know we get out of here? Yeah, uh, love coming on. Like you said, hopefully I'll be on more. Uh, go Browns. Yeah, let's. Uh, I will be editing that that part out, so yeah, that will not make the, the cut on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you all so much for listening today of course thanks for all the support on the podcast go follow the small ballers on twitter at the small ballers so you can keep up to date when we release all of our podcast episodes um, uh, subscribe to the podcast of course leave a five star review if you enjoyed it uh, but with that being said thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time go falcons <laughs>